It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Carolina Panthers announced on Monday that cornerback J.C. Horn is designated to return off IR. What does the future hold for Horn in Carolina? We'll talk about it right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow our show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays, like tomorrow, I answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions either at me or DM me to get into the weekly Wednesday mailbag on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. The Carolina Panthers prepare to welcome the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon here in Charlotte, North Carolina at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown. And the the Panthers are prepared to get back possibly their top corner as J.C. Horn and Ian Thomas were designated to return from IR on Monday. The Carolina Panthers also uh, signed Echo Leota, the outside linebacker UDFA from Auburn, who's been elevated a couple times this year, was recently on Thursday Night Football. He's been signed to the active roster. Then David Sharp, who was on the active roster, the, t- the uh, tackle, has been signed to the Carolina Panthers practice squad. But again, the most important news from Monday is that J.C. Horn is close close to returning. Frank Reich, the Carolina Panthers head coach, told us about 10 days ago that Horn is about a week, maybe two weeks away from coming back and now having the mini buy. And with Dallas approaching on Sunday, it looks like Horn could make his, not a season debut, but his return since going out of the game with a hamstring injury in the second quarter of the week one matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. He's missed eight games this season, and that is called into question what J.C. Horn's future will be here in Carolina. And we all know when J.C. Horn plays, he plays well. He is an excellent football player. And I got I thought going through the season that uh, Horn had a chance to really be a breakout player. Now, I also thought the Carolina Panthers were going to be much better than they have been so far this season. But it's unfortunate that J.C. Horn went down with an injury. And it's one of those things, too, where I feel like a lot of us are in agreement that it was a matter of if, not when, Dante Jackson and or J.C. Horn went down with an injury. Dante's been able to play uh, for the most part all season long. He had one game that he missed. Then he's had a couple of injuries but has not been out for a significant amount of time. But J.C. Horn, on the other hand, that has been the case. Now has really just plagued him so far in his career, as you know, as I know, as we all know, as, you know, in 2021 – came out, looked amazing, especially in that week two blowout of the uh, New Orleans Saints. Then you go to week three, quick 
turnaround, Thursday night football on the turf down there in Houston, non-contact injury, goes out with a foot injury. He misses the final 14 games of that season. You only got to see him play 10 quarters, which really sucked in 2022. He missed two games with a rib injury, then came back, missed the final two games with broken wrist after friendly fire when Jeremy Chin ran into him. Unfortunately, J.C. Horn missing out that Week 17 matchup against Tampa Bay where we saw C.J. Henderson and Keith Taylor struggle mightily against Tom Brady and Mike Evans. I feel like the general consensus is had J.C. Horn played that day and knowing the Panthers went up 14-0 in that game, that the Panthers probably win. Now, the three turnovers that day didn't help. We know that, but J.C. Horn would have been able to cover Mike Evans. The Panthers probably win that game, and if they would have followed it up with the win in New Orleans like they did last uh, in that Week 18 matchup, then, of course, they are NFC Division champions, and then you wonder, as Steve Wilkes, that coach here in Carolina, what does things look like right now? But unfortunately, J.C. Horn missed those final two games. He missed four games last year, and then so far, after pulling his hamstring there in Week 1, he has missed eight games and potentially nine if it has not come back. But it looks like he's close, and we'll find out more on Wednesday what the actual update will be. We recently saw guys like Stephon Sullivan and Marquise Haynes both elevated or, I mean, designated return. You get the 21-day window. So J.C. Horn has 21 days um, to be active, activated to the active roster. Um, and we saw quickly with Haynes, his window started, and pretty much immediately he was ready to go on Thursday night football. And he was needed as D.J. Johnson, Marquise Haynes, and Echo Leota were the three outside linebackers having to step up with Brian Burns, Alva Concussion, and Justin Houston on IR. So I'd be curious to see whether J.C. Horn is able to practice in full throughout the week. And if he's able to go out there and play on Sunday, and if he is, I would imagine that he'll be um, under a uh, rep count or a snap count. They're not going to probably play him the majority of the snaps, just knowing that he's coming off of an injury that's kept on for eight weeks. And it's one of those things where you got to kind of pace the guy. But I wonder now with J.C. Horn, he's missed 26 out of a possible 43 games so far to start off his career. So he's only played in 17 games. And that is, of course, as we know, a full NFL regular season. But he has not even finished all 17 of those games. Didn't finish the game in week one. Did not finish the game. His first injury that he had uh, there in week uh, three of the 2021 season went out in that game against the Lions last year. So he's played in 17 games, but he has not played and finished 17 games so far this in his career. So I wonder, knowing that J.C. Horn, when he's able to play, is a good player, but the fact that he's not really ever on the field available, is there anything he can do over the final eight games of the season to show David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, if he's still going to be here as general manager and his coaching staff, that he is worth keeping around with the fifth-year option. I felt like as soon as he went out, that that was it, curtains. I don't see how you can look at a player that's missed as much time as he has, no matter how good he is, and exercise that fifth-year option, which is going to be pretty costly. And we saw the Carolina Panthers just turn it down with C.J. Henderson. Now, for completely different reasons, that's more performance-based than injury-based. But when you come to May and you have the option and you look at J.C. Horn having missed that many games, I really wonder, like, can he do anything over the next eight weeks to prove to this organization that he's worth investing in in that manner. I just I think the answer still is no. I would love for him to come out to play well, be a difference maker on the defense. It's good that we've seen players like DiCaprio, Boodle, even Deshaun Jameson step up and hell give CJ Henderson uh, his due for the way he's played so far this season. 
Troy Hill, how he's come in and helped as a veteran. You have to really appreciate how the depth has kind of grown there at corner, as that was a big question mark going to the season. Having seen Al Henderson and Keith Taylor, who's of course no longer here in Carolina, was cut on roster cutdown day, how they performed in spot duty when uh, Horn and when Dante Jackson have gone out with injuries. So that's a positive for the Carolina Panthers. It'd be a nice positive if JC can step in, be that kind of player that we've seen from him, be a lockdown corner and help the Panthers hopefully win a couple of games down the stretch. Maybe that'll be enough, but I just look at it. It's just too much of a risk. You really need to see him go out next season, be healthy throughout the offseason, be there for OTAs, for mandatory minicamp, be there fully for training camp, be available for the preseason, and go out and play a healthy full 17-game season. It's one of those things where it puts Carolina Panthers in a difficult situation as far as building their roster. They have some key decisions to make this offseason as far as if they could have a completely new coaching staff. It feels like that's the way it's trending, and more on that here in a moment on the show. Uh, they could have a brand-new coaching staff, new general managers. We'll see what happens with all of that. So they might have to be back in a coaching search, or at the very least, a general manager search come January. And then that GM's got to decide what he wants to do with this roster. And you would also imagine that David Tepper, the owner here, as he has, is going to have some sort of say in what happens. And I think rightfully so in a way that, hey, big decisions, you should go ahead and let the owner know this is what you want to do. I'm not necessarily saying the owner needs to sign up on everything, but he will be aware and we know he'll be a participant in terms of whether he's going to say yes or no to a certain deal. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Brian Burns, who has all the leverage in the world for the Panthers. And as far as his trade market, not nearly what it was last year at the deadline when the Rams were trying to trade away two first-round picks and a third-round pick. So they got to figure out whether they're going to pay him or they're going to franchise tag him. Uh, Derek Brown is someone who they could try to get a deal done with this upcoming offseason as he'll be on the fifth-year option next year. And the earlier you get him under contract, the better. You don't want to have that thing drag out uh, throughout the entirety of next season and going into the offseason as well where it looks like you'd probably have to use a franchise tag on him. Uh, You look at... Jeremy Chin's probably on his way out the door. There's other players that you got to figure out what you want to do. Offensively, trying to find a wide receiver, plural. There's a lot of decisions to be made, and that's why it makes it even difficult for the Panthers with J.C. Horn. It probably really isn't that difficult. The answer probably clearly is just say, hey, no, we need to see you be healthy for a full season before we even want to invest in you. But then that puts you in a situation where you're playing a franchise tag game, you maybe are going to free agency, and you potentially could lose on a player who finally shows you how talented and available he can be next season. And then you're looking at in the offseason 2025 and wondering, okay, what are we going to do there at corner? So it just complicates things for the Panthers. But it's good to hear JC Horn is on his way back, potentially could be back on Sunday. And I am curious if he can do anything at all to show this organization that he's worth the fifth-year option come May. But considering how many games he's missed, it's hard to see that being a reality. Because if he does stay healthy the rest of the way, he would have missed 26 games and he would have been able to play in 25 games. So that's that's a tough number. All right, so we'll see what happens uh, moving forward here um, for the Carolina Panthers and J.C. Horn. But Frank Reich, he, of course, is under the microscope. The Carolina Panthers is under the microscope offensively. Diana Rossini, now with The Athletic, had an interesting report on the Panthers and trying to help Bryce Young along the way and what the future may hold for Frank Reich and the rest of this staff. We'll get into that here in just a moment. 
on Locked On Panthers. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to the medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation, the licensed pharmacy medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Jace Medical now offers customization for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Go to jacemedical.com and enter code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at J-A-S-E medical.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We talked on the show yesterday about whether there's changes coming soon to the Carolina Panthers offense as on Friday following the Carolina Panthers latest 16 to 13 loss to the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football where the Panthers hit new lows of only 212 yards of total offense and 12 first downs season lows on the year. Uh, we wondered would there potentially be a change at play caller once again? Frank Reich was asked about that and he did not let us know whether there would be a change but everything would be under evaluation. He did say that there would be no staff changes, and he came out again on Monday afternoon and once again was asked, hey, what changes are going to be made? And he said there will be no changes to the coaching staff, but he is still evaluating the lineup and did mention that every week they're evaluating the lineup and how they can best move forward and was once again asked whether Thomas Brown would continue to be the play caller, and he did not answer whether that would be the case, but he did say whoever's been doing the play calling, we haven't performed as an offense. Now, what the best dynamic and why will be the deciding factor on any changes that will be made. So the best dynamic and why that's the best dynamic as far as play caller and, I guess, quarterback and scheme, whatever, that will determine who will be the play caller and if any sort of changes are going to be made moving forward. Personally, I do not think that they should remove the play calling from Thomas Brown. Frank Wright came out and said from the very beginning that eventually Thomas Brown would take over the play calling. At 0-6, they decided to make the change, and after losing two games, they they finally got their first one of the season, but after two bad performances against the Colts and against the Bears and Bryce Young regressing the last two weeks, I do not think that changing over play calling is the right decision and giving it back to Frank Reich. If anything, if you're going to give the play calling to someone else, maybe give it to Parks Frazier, who called plays last year in Indianapolis. I don't think that's what should happen. It should just stay with Thomas Brown. He's your offensive coordinator. He's a guy that you have said was the future play caller. He is someone you believe can be a head coach. Frank Reich was emotional when he handed over the play calling duties to Thomas Brown. Just stay there. And understand, too, as we've talked about here on the show, the offense is the offense that Frank Reich and Thomas Brown built. The plays that Frank Reich are calling is going to be very similar to the plays that we saw Thomas Brown call so far. Like There hasn't been much change from the offense at all, other than it's been slightly worse. The main issue with the offense is they just don't have the personnel. And the scheme, 
has not been good enough. And Bryce Young, also, he's had his own failures so far this season. But what's around Bryce? The offensive line has regressed. The receiving talent has not been good enough. They have no run game. I don't see how changing the play caller is all of a sudden going to change that. Just like from the very beginning, going to Thomas Brown, I didn't think it was going to change very much because they have so many more issues aside from who's calling the plays. The offensive scheme as a whole and the personnel is the problem here in Carolina, and the offense is not going to be fixed until the offseason. Whether it's Wright coming back or Thomas Brown coming back or completely different coaching staff, we're not going to see the kind of change that we don't see here in Carolina until 2024 because they need to get better players, they need to get healthier, and they need to make complete changes schematically to what they're trying to do here in Carolina. Now, Diane Orsini of The Athletic, used to be of ESPN.com, she had an interesting report that came out on Sunday about the Carolina Panthers offense and some of the changes that they might want to make. Now, there's been a lot about Bryce Young and how he's played so far this season, and it does not feel any better, I'm sure, as a Panther fan to sit there on your off day on that Sunday and see C.J. Stroud lead yet another game-winning drive in what was a really good game on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. But Rossini said that the Panthers, they're not all that concerned about Bryce Young. And also, uh, most NFL executives and coaches around the league are emphatic that it's too early to tell and that it's unfair to judge Young after only nine games, really eight games that he's played in. Uh, She was told when this organization selected him out of Alabama, almost every single team employee was on board. We're talking scouts, coaches, head coach, general manager, and the owner, of course. All believe Young was a guy based on the research, data, and in-person meetings. And that Certainly jives everything that we have heard. I have said multiple times, I do not think that the Carolina Panthers, who moved up to number one with the blessing of David Tepper, who really wanted that to happen, that they were going to draft a quarterback that David Tepper did not want. They were going to get the guy that David Tepper wanted. But that did not mean that Scott Fitterer, that Frank Reich, that Thomas Brown, that the entire coaching staff and front office did not all also want Bryce Young. I just believe that Tepper was going to get his guy. And now everyone, of course, is on board with that, which makes things better. And the whole alignment thing, that's a positive. Uh, the opinion that Young is the future is still the unified belief based on conversation with multiple team sources. That's excellent news for Panther fans. Everyone remains in lockstep. And I agree with Rossini. That is a good thing that people in that building are not giving up on Bryce Young after eight games. If they were, then, well, the Carolina Panthers have bigger issues considering who made the decision to get Bryce Young, which is basically everyone within that organization. But she did say, however, I am told Panthers owner David Tepper is frustrated by this offense and its lack of improvement. Some of the building believe the roster hasn't been built correctly which others criticize the offense overall. This is an offense some league sources have described as boring, predictable, and even lifeless. Those are all apt descriptions as this has been difficult to watch all season long. I mean, sitting there on sun- on Thursday night, just trying to stay awake because of how bad the offense is. And I was talking to a friend about what's worse, having a bad offense or a bad defense. Because on Sundays with the Panthers, I watch a bad offense. On Saturdays with the Tar Heels, I watch a horrible defense. And I believe and we came to general consensus that yeah having a bad offense is so much worse because you never get any sort of fireworks there's not much of a belief that you can win your defense isn't going out there and scoring a ton of points for you anyways so you need the offense to go out there and at least be able to be in a shootout even if your defense can't stop anybody so the bad offense has been horrible to watch here in Carolina it's not just this year it's last year it's the year before that it's just been a consistent theme for the Carolina Panthers since Cam Newton's body fell apart and they got rid of him um 
Diana Rossini said that uh, she's told the message of the building right now is ownership needs to see more progress on offense. There needs to be development and improvement. And if the second half of the regular season looks like the first half, uh, she expects Carolina to make changes. I have learned uh, those in power want to start seeing an offense that looks like what Young executed in precision at the University of Alabama, which included bubbles, RPOs, and that leans into his strengths. Ownership is satisfied with the defense and special teams, and there was more uh, later on in that. And the questions that Frank was asked on Monday were a lot about, hey, why does Bryce not go under center very much? And Frank talked about, well, Bryce is really good in the gun, that they've run some pistol, which we did not see in the preseason, but we saw really a lot in that opening drive of the season down in Atlanta. And I don't feel like we've seen that much pistol um, since then. Saw a little bit of it on Thursday night against Chicago. Uh but it'll be interesting to see because if they're talking about they're going to try and use some more RPOs and do more what they did at Alabama, then you're really not going to see Bryce Young uh, in the shotgun that mer- that much. But really the message that she said that was told to her as far as ownership needs to see more progress on offense, there needs to be more development and improvement, that jibes with my belief that if that Bryce Young development is really all that matters the rest of the way. And that's really been my belief from the very beginning that this season, yes, wins, losses, that's important. You want to win. You were very close to being a playoff team last year. Maybe a little bit of it was full gold, fool's gold considering uh, what this team looks like now. Now I think that a lot of the offensive personnel decisions, it goes back to the roster not being built correctly, and that's David Tepper's frustration. That's on the coaching staff. That's on Scott Fitterer that they made some poor evaluations in the offseason with who they decided to bring in and also who they decided to let go. And now the offense that they built has not been good at all, and that has not helped Bryce Young and his development. But that message that's being placed out there that if Bryce continues to regress, that Bryce continues to have his struggles, that that's going to cost – at least got fitter his job as far as roster construction goes. But I would also assume that it would cost Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, and his entire coaching staff their job. If Frank Reich keeps his job, then Thomas Brown will be the scapegoat. They'll go out there and they'll find another coordinator, and that coordinator will be running his offense. I don't think David Tepper is going to allow Frank Reich to really be that involved and it be a marriage between his offense and the coordinator's offense. It would be the coordinator's offense coming in. That's, that's what I would see. I could see Fitter being gone first. And if Frank Reich survives, then it's a change at OC. Whoever they bring in is going to come in and run their offense. So that message right there about development and improvement, that's all about Bryce Young. And if they don't look like the right coaching staff for Bryce Young in the future, which so far they have not looked like it at present moment, that is a problem. And that will lead to them no longer being here in Carolina. So we'll see how that works out. Now, there's some interesting um, reporting that I saw that it was a little bit late to that came out Thursday about the Panthers being active at the trade deadline for two receivers, which goes back to a lot of reporting that we had read. We'll talk about those two guys and another player that Carolina Panthers tried to pursue at the deadline here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And it's a great time now to join FanDuel. As you got college basketball back, got the Champions Classic going on tonight. You also, of course, have college football winding down as we get closer to the college football playoff, the NHL, the NBA. You got the in season tournament if you're all about that. So many things going on. 
Pokemon and sports as we're here in the crossover season. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, as I just mentioned, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. When the Carolina Panthers stood pat at the deadline, I didn't really find it all that surprising considering some guys that they would have liked to potentially move off from. Uh, Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin were both on IR. Jeremy Chin, who appears to be on his way out uh, from Carolina, he would have made a lot of sense for a player the Carolina Panthers could have gotten some decent return for that could help them with their draft capital. And I agree that, yes, Carolina Panthers right now, they're in a weird spot where it's likely – uh, that if things continue the way they're going, that the Carolina Panthers will have a brand new coaching staff and probably a brand new general manager. At the very least, I would expect them to have a brand new GM once they get into the draft uh, in April. So there's going to be some changes there. There could be even bigger changes here as far as you know, both the coach, the general manager, and then you could see some players that are here right now, like Brian Burns, even Derek Brown, uh, Beast, jettison off elsewhere so the Carolina Panthers could get more draft picks and help to build around Bryce Young and really get this organization on the right track. And there is an argument to be made that that's probably the right decision for the Carolina Panthers. As you look at it, what the Panthers need is draft picks. What they need are younger players um, on cost-controlled contracts that can come in that can start for them. And so many of the draft misses are a big reason why the Panthers are in the position that they're in right now. And also some of the trades that they made that have uh, limited the amount of draft cap- compensation Carolina Panthers have had over the last couple of seasons also plays a role in where the Carolina Panthers are right now. So I wasn't all that com- that upset that they weren't able to make a move because I wanted to see a guy like Brian Burns stick here in Carolina. also knew that the return was not going to be nearly what it was last year, and that's very difficult to be able to find a player of Burns' caliber there at edge rusher, uh, just as it's difficult to find you know, a franchise quarterback. It's difficult to find that kind of wide receiver like they had with DJ Moore, to find a player like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the Panthers eventually have to retain some of their star players opposed to getting rid of all of them because of all the other mistakes that they've made. But we'll see what it looks like moving forward. Now, the Panthers reportedly were in the market to find a number one wide receiver at the trade deadline. I was skeptical of how the hell they were going to make that happen. But according to David Newton of ESPN.com, they were interested in two guys that I think have been on our radars. I know one of them for sure. The other one I think has been mentioned a couple times by y'all on the mailbags and uh, other messages y'all sent to me. Uh, But David Newton said that the Panthers went after Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins and Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams uh, before the trade deadline, according to the NFL front office source that he has. Uh, But neither team was willing to make a deal. Higgins thing, 
seems pretty obvious the Bengals are going to at least tag him uh, come this offseason. They're also a team that's trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. They were red hot until they lost on Sunday against Houston. They're still a good football team in a very competitive division in the AFC North. It kills their team. It doesn't kill their team, but it really hurts them to lose a player like T. Higgins in the middle of the season, especially give him to a team like the Panthers that were going nowhere. Uh, so I get that. Devontae Adams – I feel like that would have been something that would have been more likely to happen. Like the Jets apparently were also interested in Devontae Adams. They have bigger issues than that. The Jets do. It's that quarterback. Um, it's offensively as a whole, just not very good. The Jets aren't. Um, same case with the Panthers. Uh, but Adams would have made a little bit more sense because Josh Duke Daniels is still there. Dave Ziegler is still the general manager. Maybe they would have been more interested. But as we know, that did not come to fruition. So you see that they're interested. It's just highlights just how this team had such lack of foresight on what was to come when they got rid of DJ Moore going into a very poor wide receiver free agent market and looking at the draft class where they were going to sit at, that they just did not put themselves in position to be able to build the wide receiver core. The guys that they brought in, they thought were going to be better than they have been. Adam Thielen, he has absolutely been what they expected. DJ Chark has been a massive disappointment for the Carolina Panthers. Jonathan Mingo, still way too young. I don't know what role Demir Bird would have played here in Carolina, but he has not been great, and we have not seen uh, Terrace Marshall step up from last year and continue the play that he had in the final uh, 12 weeks of the season. Lovishka Chenault has been seldomly used. He's looked good at times, but right now he's been dealing with an ankle just the overall receiving core. And then looking at Hayden Hurst as well, that has not helped out the Panthers so far this season. So that led to them to uh, knock on the door of T. Higgins and Devontae Adams. And for right now, that has not happened. Now, I would say after the offseason, well, let me get to this, though. If Antonio Pierce, who's won two straight games as the interim there in Las Vegas, if the Raiders stay competitive and he gets that job, don't see Devontae Adams leaving. He's not going to let Devontae Adams leave. Devontae Adams look, has, looks happy. He That man looked depressed when Josh McDaniels was there. He was broken. And as soon as McDaniels is gone, Max Crosby's lighting up stogies. Devontae Adams is smiling ear to ear. Like, that guy ain't going anywhere if Antonio Pierce is the head coach in Las Vegas. And if he's not, good chance he probably stays with the Raiders unless he decides, hey, I got to get out of here. T. Higgins, that's the one I'm looking at. That's going to cost Panthers draft compensation. He's not going to leave Cincinnati for free. And that is a big issue for the Panthers, that they're going to have to give up more assets to be able to go get T. Higgins. Now, the hope is you only give up a second-round pick, and that's still not ideal, but that's what it would take at the very least to be able to sign T. Higgins. Then you have to think about the contract figures, which goes back to the J.C. Horn thing about how complicated not knowing what to do with J.C. as far as what his future is going to be in Carolina. Because you have Derek Brown, you got Brian Burns, you got guys like Frankie Louvu. You need to get more receivers, probably some help on the offensive line, tight end, running back, all that figured out. And T. Higgins is not going to come cheap. So we'll see. But that's still the guy I'm looking at come the offseason. One other thing that I found interesting in David Newton's reporting, the Panthers apparently also made a run at Washington Commanders edge rusher Montez Sweat to pair it with Brian Burns. Of course, he ended up in Chicago, and that just doesn't make any sense at all to me. When the Bears traded a second-round pick for Sweat, they had no choice. Like last year with the Dolphins trading for Bradley Chubb, they had no choice. They had to sign him to an extension, and they did that immediately. The Carolina Panthers have failed to sign Brian Burns, but they're going to trade for Montez Sweat, who needs a big deal. Like, they both need to get paid. 
So you're not going to, is that, would, would that have been your backup plan? Maybe Montez what would be more reasonable and what he wants than Brian Burns. I forget what the contract figures were. I just found that to be very interesting that they don't want to pay Burns, but then they want to trade for Montez Sweat, who has to get paid. Like that's just, that is the problem that they just seem to be so directionless, have no sort of plan on what they want to do with roster building. And that goes back to the owner's frustrations and why Scott Fitter is likely going to be out the door. They don't want to pay Brian Burns, but they want to trade for Montez Sweat to pair with him, even though they would have to pay both those guys. And the last time I had a chance to keep two premier edge rushers on the roster, they let Hassan Reddick go because they were pursuing Deshaun Watson, who never wanted to play in Carolina. And that is part of the problem with what we have with this organization and their lack of a vision and their lack of an ability to be able to execute a plan properly and produce a winner here in Carolina. And that's what's going to cost a lot of people their jobs here in a few weeks' time. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network with your host, Julie, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, at Julian Council, where tomorrow I'll be back again to answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Wednesday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.